Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. StarCityGames.com. Not only are they the home of the top content and coverage on the web, they're also the world's largest independent retailer for Magic the Gathering singles and supplies. For more information, visit StarCityGames.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line now, 32 years of age, ladies and gentlemen, is Ethan Sachs. Happy birthday, buddy. Thanks so much, man. Yeah, my birthday was uh, a few days ago. You missed like your your opportunity. You have like a nice two week window where you get to be like, I'm much older and wiser than you, Ethan. And you didn't really take advantage of it. I absolutely blew it. Now yeah. I'll have to do that next year for sure. <laughs> oh, no, I've created a monster. Uh, how are you doing, bud? Yeah, going well. Uh, we had our second band contest of the season and we dominated. We came in first place and there were a lot of bands there that are really good that are typically state finalist type bands. So off to a great start to the season and looking forward to discussing Throne of Eldraine previews with you today. Yeah. So, you know, I spent the whole car ride today. I was listening to arena deck lists and pro points and top level gaming. And I was like, there are a lot of people talking about all these like sweet rares and what they're going to do for new standard in the fall. But there's not a lot of people talking about these sweet commons and uncommons and maybe how they're going to fit into this new limited environment. So I'm really looking forward to doing that. We've got a little over half of the cards previewed for the set. And I think we've got a lot to discuss, a lot of mechanics. Watsi came out with their archetype breakdown. We've got a lot to feast our eyes on here, Ben. So I'm excited to talk about the set with you today. Was that a food pun? I, I, as it came out of my mouth, I kind of hated myself a little bit. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but before we get into any of that, we have got to talk about our Patreon, Ben, patreon.com slash Lords of Limited, where folks can give back to the show if they so choose. And if you give back at any level, you get access to the Lords of Limited Discord. And folks, what I'm looking at my watch. New set is just around the corner. We've got to get into that Discord. That is where people are going to break the format. We got people breaking it for War of the Spark, M20, and I expect nothing less from the fine folks in our Discord, for figuring out Throne of Eldraine before anybody else does. So I highly recommend getting into that if you're thinking about it. It's just the best resource on the internet for getting better at Limited. And I, I feel that that's not even a biased opinion because I really just sit back and watch the Discord most of the time. <laughs> Agreed, yeah. It is a sight to behold. And we've got some new folks that we want to welcome to the fray. And this week we're going to be welcoming Christian, Adam, Peter, Bart, Carls, TK, Baradrist, David, Eric, Crocodile MTG, Endo Jackson, Ham Sandwich, Wes, Anthony, Arthur, Andrew, and Dusan. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. I absolutely agree. The Patreon is awesome. And I will add, I do think, you know, you're going to get the information one way or the other about you know, what's working, what's good in Throne of Eldraine. But I think being on the 
the inside seeing how we're figuring out how to break the format is even more important than actually just getting the information on how to draft the format well i think you're going to learn a lot more watching the progress as we discover why cards are good the conversations that happen in the discord etc Agree. Lords of Moon is now also partnering with Coalesce Apparel and Design, as you well know. And as part of that, we have a gift code for you to get 10% off your order at their website, coalesceapparel.shop, which can be applied to any apparel on the website, not just ours. And that code is LOL, all caps, LOL, all caps. And while you're there, you should make sure to stop by, pick up your Lords of Luna t-shirt and choose your side. Hashtag I'm with Ben. Hashtag I'm with Ethan. Those point totals are going to be rolling around the corner. We got the crash course coming up and I'm sure to be on the winning side. So make sure you pick up the winning shirt. Yeah, I'm O and X against Ben in terms of being more right about cards, but I take more risks too, I think. Uh, so for folks who don't know, we take... Uh, Spoiler season a little differently here on Lords of Limited. Next week, we'll be doing our crash course. We'll be doing taking a look at a lot of big picture stuff in the format. And here, I think we'll be doing some similar things like trying to make some predictions, trying to see how things are piecing together, fitting into this puzzle of Throne of Eldraine Limited. And I think a great place to start with that is going to be looking at what Wizard of the Coasts put out as the 10 color pair archetypes defined. So why don't you kick us off with this, Ben? So first up is Blue Red, which is all about drawing your second card in a turn and many cards trigger or get a bonus if two cards have been drawn in the same turn. And we saw that mechanic in Modern Horizons, and I love how that worked in Modern Horizons. So happy to see it back here. Yeah. And just remember, folks, when you draw a card on your opponent's turn, that is, in fact, not the second <laughs> card that you've drawn. I may or may not have made that mistake many times with iKite and Modern Horizons. But yeah, I'm excited to see this as is this maybe the new wave of Blue Red? It's rather rather than being spells matter. It's now this like drawing cards matter thing. I'm in. I'm, in. I'm all for drawing cards. Yeah. Shocking. Uh, Blue White cares about artifacts and enchantments. Many cards get bonuses if you control one and a double bonus if you control both. This is the archetype I am most skeptical of, Ben. Why is that? It just seems like it's going to be really hard to come together. And uh, while I guess people will have artifacts with food tokens floating around, which we'll get to in a little bit, I, I just feel like this sort of stuff is hard to come together i mean i guess there was a artifact synergy in m19 and blue white that like sort of worked out but i don't know you got to have like a lot of really good artifacts at common and uncommon for this to be true and i don't feel like i've really seen them yet but you know we're only halfway through spoiler season yeah i'll buy it next up we've got black green which has the highest density of food rewards and cards there key off sacrificing food or using the food for other bonuses yeah, I mean, this archetype just seems sweet, like, you know, gaining life or sacrificing stuff. It just seems like it's all about that, like, grindy resource accrual that I'm all about. Yeah, this has Ethan Sachs written all over it. I mean, just black green is just my color pair, it feels like. And that's <laughs> just like, animal. It's just my spirit animal, no matter what. Yeah. Uh, red white is about knights going wide. So red, white and black are all where the knight themes exist. But uh, they're sort of different flavors as they're outlined here. Next up, we've got Black Red, which cares about knights and equipment. And I'm going to jump a section of our spoiler here and tell you about this busted equipment that's black and red. You think this is busted too, right? Absolutely. This is Steel Claw Lance. It's black red for an artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus two plus two. It costs equip three to equip anything. And it only costs one to equip a knight, which is just absurd. So I think the obvious comparison for me, and I, I imagine you thought of this too, was Ghostfire Blade from Cons of Tarkir, which is an equipment that had the same sort of cost and then cost reduction, but it had a reduction for when you equipped to a morph creature or a face down creature. I forget what it was exactly, but it only cost one to equip to morphs in that set. And that was 
huge. And that card was a rare. And this is an uncommon. And it feels like you're going to see it more often. And there's so many knights. And we haven't even seen the whole set yet. I think this card is going to be ridiculous. Yeah. Plus two, plus two is so much. Yeah. And for only one mana, that's just wild to me. I'm very scared of that card. Uh, White Black, the last of the Mardu color pairs. This is the slowest of the night decks. So it wants to have a long game and trade resources frequently. So it looks like we've got like go wide, red, white, black, red equipment, and then white, black is attrition. Yeah. Next up, we've got Red Green, which cares about your creatures not being humans. Cards will get bonuses when non-humans enter the battlefield or are in play. Green Blue wants to ramp and use as much mana as possible. So Food and Adventure are both natural mana sinks for Green Blue to use. This also seems pretty Ethan Saxy. Just get a lot of mana, sacrifice your food, never die, spin your wheels. Who, me? Next up, we've got green-white, which is the main adventure color pair. It has the highest density of adventure creatures and rewards for adventuring. And I think adventure is just a super powerful mechanic in limited in general. So we should say what adventure is. Adventure is an instant or sorcery that occupies the lower left corner of some creatures in the set. And you can choose when you're casting that card, whether you're going to cast the adventure or the creature. If you cast the adventure, which is going to be an instant or sorcery, and it resolves, you exile the card. And then you then have the option of casting that creature from exile on that turn or in future turns. So sort of get a little two for one value there from your adventures. And... The green-white payoffs for adventuring, which we're going to take a look at a little later, are very powerful. Yeah. So we'll just take a look at the last archetype here, which is blue-black, and then we'll get into talking about adventures. That's the first on our list. So blue-black in Throne is about getting cards in both yours and your opponent's graveyards. Uh, So you'll have cards that upgrade if your opponent has a stocked graveyard, and this deck will have access to getting back cards from its own graveyard. I'm pretty excited to try out blue-black myself. Yeah, for sure. And there's also a little addendum here in this article that they state that monocolored decks will be possible in draft due to adamant and a high prevalence of artifacts. And there's also a bunch of hybrid color costed mana requirements in in the set as well. So I think all that leads to maybe we'll see some more monocolored decks than we're used to seeing. I feel like the last time we've seen like a prevalence of monocolored decks was back in M19 when like Mono green was, I don't know if it was a super popular archetype, but it was something that came up fairly often, I would say. Yeah, mono red and M20. And I think yeah. Modern Horizons encouraged you to draft a lot of heavy base color decks as well. That's true. Yeah, yeah good point. And so we should mention what adamant is just briefly. So if you don't know, adamant is an ability word that grants bonuses to cards if you cast them with three of a particular color of mana to cast them. So like a red spell might have adamant. And then if you cast it with red, 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 it gets it does even more than it normally would have done. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we'll just talk about the last mechanic here. Food. It's a colorless artifact token with pay two, tap, sacrifice it and you gain three life. Mmm, delicious. The, the, the word food is very lackluster. This is magic. We're talking, we got wizards and planeswalkers and then some food. Look, you got to eat, man. You got to keep that strength up. I guess that's true. All right. So I, I want to talk about adventures here, which seem busted in half for limited. Like we've seen a lot of split card effects before. And I think you and I have talked about on the show before how like when you have cards that have different modes or even when they are literal split cards or aftermath cards from uh, Amonkhet, Hour of Devastation. Like when cards give you multiple things or choices of things to do, 
it doesn't matter if those things, maybe you're paying a premium for that choice. That really is quite valuable and limited. You have this sort of, you know, you get multiple effects. You sort of have a toolbox in your deck of like, well, if when I draw this card, it's not only good in this situation, but it also has this other part of it that's good in a different situation. And that just improves the value of your deck. We've never seen something quite like this before. I think the, you know, casting the spell and then casting the creature, the most logical, like, parallel to that i think is aftermath like when you could cast the front half of the thing and then the aftermath part of the card would be able to be cast from your graveyard only but here there's even another layer of flexibility where you can just cast the creature straight up you don't have to cast the spell first right that's super powerful if you just need to run out your creature you got the you got the opportunity to do that and the fact that it's not just like at uncommon or rare i mean i guess that's part of like the as fan thing but this effect at common feels wild to me this feels like more evidence of the philosophy of fire yeah and there's a really cool card in the set that's just reminiscent or it's an exact copy of peel from reality right yes it's called run away together this is one in a blue for an instant choose two target creatures controlled by different players return those creatures to their owner's hands i've got this pegged as a top blue common i think just because of its synergy with adventure, you know, re- being able to send a creature on an adventure, then play the creature, rebuy the creature to be able to then rebuy both the adventure and the creature seems super powerful to me. And tempo your opponent out all at the same time. Absolutely. Yeah, that card seems great. So a couple uh, adventures that sort of caught my eye as I was going through the spoiler, and a lot of these are black, but like there's uh, Smitten Swordmaster, which is one on a black for a 2-1 lifelink. This is just Child of Night, which is like fine, uh, fine to medium, depending on how much X1 hate there's going to be. And then you also have the fact that it's a human knight, so it's a relevant creature type. And you have Curry Favor, which is the sorcery adventure for a single black, which says you gain X life and each opponent loses X life, where X is the number of knights you control. Now, knights is a huge theme of three of the five colors in this format it's going to be you know half of black's decks like black white and black red are going to be decks that care about knights and normally this effect would not be something you would be excited about but i could see this being really really strong i was terrified when i saw this card i was just thinking i'm gonna lose to this card so much and you're not even allowed to be frustrated because it's just such a good card right like neither half is a great card but put them together like on turn two you're probably fine playing a child of night in most sets i mean maybe there's one threes running around and maybe it doesn't line up well but the fact that late in the game this can just be kill your opponent or you know in sort of a a grindy and a white blacks the grindy pair maybe you're clogging the board with knights who knows this could be very powerful right late game this is just like one black black drain you for three play a two one or whatever or drain you for four maybe if if you've got like a you know a the board is stalling and stuff like remember gruesome scourger how like kind of clunky that was but we felt like it kind of slotted into a deck in m20 this is just a much more flexible much more powerful version of that next up we've got order of midnight this card is insane (laughs) one in a black for a 2-2 flyer order of midnight can't block which is just a fine card two mana for a 2-2 flyer that can't block that's a very good aggressive threat Mm -hmm. the adventure part of this is alter fate one in a black return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand so build your own flying grave digger and you have the opportunity to run it out on turn two if you want to instead of having it stuck in your hand and having to wait for something to die this card is really strong i didn't even think about it like grave digger and now that you said that it just makes me love the card even more it's it's ridiculous right it's ridiculous it's just yeah it's so much better than grave digger yeah no for sure a two two flyer i'd love that 
Uh, next up, Foulmire Knight is a single black for a 1-1 with Death Touch. It's a zombie knight. And that's the other thing. All three of these have been knights, by the way. And then also there's Profane Insight attached to this. It's an instant adventure. Two and a black, you draw a card and you lose a life. So you can just get two black black for a can-tripping 1-1 Death Toucher. That's pretty great. Most of these adventure cards are just built-in two-for-ones. Oh, yeah. And last on this list, we've got Embereth Shieldbreaker. It's one and a red for a 2-1 Human Knight. And the adventure portion of this is a sorcery. It's called Battle Display and costs a single red. Destroy target artifact. So a little bit of main deckable best of one artifact hate here. I mean, you're not happy paying two mana for a 2-1, but... But it's a knight. Right, it's a knight, and maybe you're more willing to include it, you know, on the off chance that you get something. There's food tokens running around. I mean, at worst case, you're assuming this is going to eat a food token. Sure, yeah. I mean, but also it's just like, then you can just play it on turn two that how flexible these are blows my mind i thought when i first saw these i was like oh you have to cast the sorcery first and then you cast the creature fine i still thought that was busted and then once i figured out that you could just cast the creature straight up i it's just crazy to me so speaking of all these adventure cards we talked about already that green white is the payoff color pair for adventures so we've got the first of two very powerful payoffs here why don't you kick us off with Wandermare, Ethan? Okay, Wandermare is the green-white uncommon, so it's one green-white for a 3-3 three, three horse. Whenever you cast a creature spell that has an adventure, put a plus or minus one counter on Wandermare. So just like already Centaur Courser stats, and is just going to grow with every creature that has an adventure on it that you play. Right, and just you're naturally incentivized to put adventure cards in your deck because they're very good mm-hmm. for the most part. I have yet to see one that I think is not good. Yep, I agree. They're not all like C pluses or Bs, but they all just seem good in limited. And our next payoff card here is Edgewall Innkeeper, single green for a 1-1 human peasant, and has the text, whenever you cast a creature spell that has an adventure, draw a card. And the reminder text, it doesn't need to have gone on the adventure first. So just if you run that creature out there before you cast the adventure portion, still two for one. So in case your two for ones weren't enough for you, now you can three for one with Edgewall Innkeeper. Yeah. Who doesn't love value? No, not, certainly not the two of us. Although really, you, you like Edgewall Keeper is not worth a card in and of itself. So you probably need to have cast adventure cards twice before you're really getting paid off for this. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it might as well be an enchantment. It's a very easy to kill enchantment. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of things. I'm sure maybe we'll see as the set, you know, completes itself this week that X ones are there's a lot of powerful ones that I'm going to want to kill. So I'm going to be looking for those like all creatures get minus one minus one or whatever. Or like, is there heart piercer bow back? Because I think there's a lot of X ones that I want to kill in this format. Just for also the amount of cards we have spoiled so far right now, which is probably what about 70 or something Maybe mm-hmm. more than that, maybe 100, probably only like 60 or 70 commons uncommons, though. There are a lot of one drops that have been. Spoiled. Yes. Well, I want to get to that right here. So one of my parts of this uh, this episode is, is white finally going to get its time to shine in this format? And I think the answer is yes. So we haven't talked about some of the white common adventure creatures that I want to get into here. So the first of these is Ardenvale Tactician, which is one white white for a two three flyer. It's a human knight because every creature in Mardu is a knight. And then its adventure is an instant one and a white dizzying swoop. You tap up to two target creatures. So you've got a little tempo aggro play here, and then you've got a three mana, two, three flyer. This card is very strong. Yeah. And this is a common. 
lot of ways to push through damage at the end of the game. The option to just run this out as an exultant sky marcher as one white white two three flying is also very good. Mm -hmm. And then on five mana, you can just get in a big chunk of damage while advancing your board with an evasive threat. I think this card is very strong at common. Next up, we've got Fairy Guide Mother, which has been getting a lot of love on Twitter from some very respected limited players on the show, Ari Lax and Corticals, aka Alex Nikolic. This is Fairy Guide Mother. Single white for a 1-1 flyer fairy. And the adventure portion of this is called Gift of the Fae. One and a white target creature gets plus two plus one and gains flying until end of turn. I'm a little skeptical of this. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Do you are you hyped about this card? So this is not a card that I generally like. And I, it was, I think Ari like loved whatever that one mana one one flyer vigilant segovian angel segovian angel from uh, uh modern horizons he loved that card and he and alex are both super high on this and i'm gonna trust them i really think they're fantastic limited players i think their card evaluation skills is really strong especially like early in a format where it matters uh i think i'm gonna start pretty high on this card why so i think it just like does does what white is gonna want to do which seems like it wants to be kind of on the aggressive side and if there are like buffs, there's a lot of equipment that we know about too, right? That like the Mardu color pairs especially are going to care about. So ways to buff this is great. And that like all is going to stack well together. It's going to make a deck that's going to be greater than the sum of its parts. And this has the flexibility of like, well, do I want to have a creature on turn one that's evasive that's going to wear some of these buffs? Yes. Do I then want something that later on in the game can launch something and like create an attack and then leaves behind some, maybe I just need then a chump blocker on the backswing so that I can race my opponent effectively. Or I just then get another flying evasive threat that's going to combine well with the other things in my deck i think this card is going to be good so here's where i'm at on this card and i'm probably this is probably not going to age well but you're only ever playing this in an aggressive deck right yeah right so this is like only going in one half of white decks or whatever or maybe white's a very aggressive color and it's going in all white decks who knows but yeah white, white black we've already said is grind white blue is artifacts and enchantments that doesn't seem to have much of a home there so then you're looking at like i think this is definitely gonna have a home there if they're you tell me white blue is not going to have auras that you're going to want to smack on this creature. Maybe I, that doesn't sound particularly appealing way to win a game of magic to me. <laughs> Hope to not get two for one. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, like I could see this card being playable and I think would be happy to play it in aggressive decks where I'm wondering, like, I feel like I've gotten the sense that Ari and Alex are like talking about this as a top common potentially. And I just that's hard for me to imagine it being that high of a pick when it's so narrow. I think it does what it does very well, but I'm just I'm not convinced that the format's going to be that fast and or that this is going to be powerful enough that you're going to be picking it highly. Yeah, I mean, we can't predict format speed without the whole set. And then even predicting format speed once you have the whole set without playing it is sort of like, you know, a, a fool's game. But I do kind of think that this might be the kind of card that is the glue for white decks much like raise the alarm was in m20 all right we'll have to see yeah next up we've got trapped in the tower will this finally be white's best common or will it still underperform what is trapped in the tower so this is one and a white for an enchantment aura you enchant creature without flying enchanted creature can't attack or block and its activated abilities can't be activated boo yeah can't enchant creature without flying so it's not gonna hit like you know, I don't the know. cards you want to kill. Generally, the cards you want to kill. Probably, I, I just think I'm I'm sort of off of White's enchantment based removal. White's like 
deal damage to a tapped creature, kill a tapped creature, all that stuff. I just think White's removal is behind the times here for limited. Here's what's going to happen to you yeah. and I and anyone else that maybe thinks Trapped in the Tower is going to be good. I, I do not think this card is going to be that great. I, I mean, it's it's you'll play it. But the first time I cast Trapped in the Tower on something and my opponent casts Runaway together and rebuys their creature Ugh. and bounces one of mine to my hand, I'm just going to be off it for the rest of the format. Yeah, that sounds terrible. Right? Yeah, that does not make me. That, I'm already not excited about this card, and that just makes me even less excited. Yeah, I, I don't love it. I don't love it. All right, Ben, I got a question for you. Is nerfed Cloudkin Seer still going to be great? So we've got Tome Raider in the format which is two and a blue for a fairy. It's a one, one with flying. And when it enters the battlefield, you draw a card. I don't love this card. So we've seen this card before, right? It's called was called sky scanner in M19, mm-hmm. except it was colorless there yeah. and was not like the highest of picks in that format where it was a good artifact and blue and white cared about picking up artifacts. However, I I've come up on this card a little bit since understanding that blue red is drawing your second card in a turn so i do think it gets a a bump from that from wherever it would have been because it works very well in blue red specifically drawing your second card the turn you cast it but i think one one is a bit of a knock i mean it's a good card you're gonna play it most of the time probably all of the time i mean there's a maximum you can play but this is just gonna help you hit your land drops etc depends on what the payoffs are for drawing your second card in a turn i think for how high of a pick tome raider is yeah for sure it's just so interesting to me that one less point of power like that's the difference between it being like yeah that's totally fine versus oh wow that's a threat that i need to deal with like a two power flyer that cantrips for three mana is huge and tome raider i think is not so huge that's kind of how i feel and maybe it'll still be great and we'll eat our words here but i'm I'm not super hot on this card right now it's good solid you're probably playing it most of the time almost all of the time but i don't think it's gonna be the top blue common mm-hmm. next up we've got your favorite type of effect is this the new dwindle the new kasmina's transmutation we've got frogify this is a reprint one and a blue for an enchantment aura enchant creature enchanted creature loses all abilities and is a blue frog creature with base power and toughness one one so this is an uncommon and not a common, and I'm wondering if that is a nod to it being better than it might have been, than these like other iterations of this card has been in the past. No. No? You think it's it's worse or just it's still as bad? I think it's still as bad. So my one thing, I definitely think it's going to be better than Casmina's Transmutation because I think it not like turning creatures off of being knights is going to be pretty relevant. Oh, okay. So I think it'll be better than that. But yeah, maybe it's still just terrible. And and again, if you, you talk about this, like, uh, what is, what's the, the Peel from Reality card? Run, Run away, away together. together. And again, you're talking about, you know, your opponent then casts Runaway Together, picks up their creature that you frogified, and then replays their creature. That feels really bad. Is Runaway Together just the best common in the set? Can we just call it right now? I want to call it the best blue common that I've seen right now. Wow. Yeah, I'm into that. So next up here, next hot take, will monoed colored decks be more prevalent than in normal sets? And I think just based on what Wizards has told us, my expectation running in is yes. And first and foremost, we've got these quad hybrid mana cards, first of which is Fireborn Knight. What does that one do? So this is quad Boros. So you can spend any combination of red and white mana to cast this. It's a human knight. It's a two, three. It has double strike. And you can also pay quad Boros to give it plus one, plus one until end of turn. 
That's a pretty steep activation cost, but four mana for a two, three double strike. This doesn't seem like crazy busted to me or whatever. Like there are some other cards that I think are better payoffs for such a steep mana requirement, but this kind of mana intense casting cost makes me think that you're, I mean, obviously in red, white, you can cast this, but then maybe if you're just mono red or mono white, you can just get this and it's going to be sweet. I don't know. Yeah, I think this one is not the most powerful but i do think these cards are cool in that they're nobody else can poach these from you right if you're the only person in your lane like either your boros or mono red or mono white those are the only things that can do that and there probably aren't multiple people at the table that are trying to draft the same mm-hmm. mono color deck so kind of cool that you're gonna be able to pick these up late just because of how restrictive the mana cost is so can you i'm gonna put you on the spot here a little bit can you think about like the the CCDD cards from Guilds of Ravnica or Ravnica Allegiance and how, you know, so there were only five decks available really to draft uh, or five color pairs available to draft in those formats. And so you had pretty steep color requirements from those. Are these cards easier to cast in this format, do you think? Are they going to be more difficult to cast in the format? Are they going to be very big signals on like pick three that you see this or pick four that you're going to be like, oh, snap, I got to dive in and hedge into Boros for this or hedge into Mono Red for this. What, what, what are your sort of thoughts on that? I think they're easier to cast overall, but I also think there's 10 of them as opposed to five of them. So I think you're less likely to have people poaching them from you. Mm. I mean, like for any of the guilds, there was fairly likely to be somebody else drafting your same guild. And I think with 10 viable color pairs, you're a lot less likely to run into somebody that's, if you do find your lane, drafting the same color pair as you. I mean, if there are 10 available, ideally, you know, your pod is in all separate color pairs. Right. Yeah, that makes sense to me. So I I do think while these are slightly easier to cast than those, I think you're more likely to be seeing these late if you find your lane correctly. So next up, we've got Okame Ranger, but this is a Selesnia one. This is four Selesnia hybrid mana for a 2-2 and has the ability tap creatures you control get plus one plus one until end of turn and its creature type is an elf knight and then the adventure portion of this is bring back also quadruple selesnia mana and it's a sorcery create two one one white human creature tokens that seems like overpaying quite a bit for that effect for both sort of right yeah i don't know how to evaluate the four mana two two creatures you control get plus one plus one especially because it doesn't seem like green green white's not trying to like go wide, you know? Right. You're wanting to adventure. Yeah. So I, I feel like it's gonna depend on what sort of token makers we see. But this card, so far I'm not super impressed by these, you know, quadruple hybrid mana cards. Next up we've got the Simic one. This is Thunderous Snapper and is four Simic hybrid mana for a four-four turtle hydra. And whenever you cast a spell with converted mana cost five or greater, draw a card. This one I am all about. Oh, come on. And I love dirtling, but how many? I mean, I guess it just doesn't really. It's already a four mana four four, which is fine. Like you're not going to have a ton of spells in your deck that cost five or more, are you? I mean, Simic's theme is ramping, right? Like Simic's theme is always ramping, isn't it? Like how many things are you going to have that cost five or more? Five, six, six, seven, seven. Look, man, man's got a dream. You, yeah, you're dreaming here. I don't know. Obviously, I'm going to be drawing cards off of this card at some point in the format, but I'm a little skeptical of just how much you can go off with this. I like this guy. I like this guy much better than the other two. Well, this next one, I think, is the best one we've seen so far, which is Lock Dragon. It's quadruple, is it? It's a 3-2 flyer. So four mana for a 3-2 flyer, not, it's fine. But whenever it enters the battlefield or attacks, you may discard a card. And if you do... 
draw card. So it's going to be drawing you that second card on each of your turns. Boom, baby. Yeah, I think that's going to be really strong in Is It. Next, we're going to take a quick dip into a few adamant cards here just to take a look at that as a mechanic. First one we've got up here is Searing Barrage. This is four and a red for an instant. Searing Barrage deals five damage to target creature. And then Adamant, if at least three red mana was cast to cast the spell, Searing Barrage deals three damage to that creature's controller. We've also got a green removal spell here, an Out Muscle, which is three and a green for a sorcery. It's essentially just Hunt the Weak. You put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control, and then it fights target creature you don't control. But if you spend at least three green mana to cast it, the creature you control gains Indestructible until end of turn. Pretty strong. Yeah. And lastly, we've got Clockwork Servant. I love this guy. Yeah. This might be my favorite card I've seen so far in the set. Three mana for an artifact creature gnome, just for a 2-3 vanilla. Adamant, whenever Clockwork Servant enters the battlefield, at least three mana of the same color was spent to cast it, draw a card. Just perfect power level value for limited. Like if a three mana 2-3 is good, this guy's going to be great. Because later in the game, when you don't really want to draw a three mana 2-3, you're probably going to be able to spend three of one color of mana to draw a card. Even in your two color decks, you know, by about turn seven, turn eight, you're going to have three of one of your colors of mana. Yeah. So we talked about adventures. We talked about adamant. I want to talk about some food tokens, Ben. I'm getting hungry. So I want to sort of get some predictions here. Does the mechanic of food tokens mean that aggro is going to struggle more than usual, or is it just too slow to pay two mana for three life? What's your take here? So that was my take. So I think the first level one, I think, is foods in the format. Aggro is going to be bad, right? Because it's a mechanic that rewards you for gaining life. But my next step from that when I was thinking about it was like gain life cards just aren't good, right? Right. If you're if you're dying and you're behind, you're, you're spending two mana to gain three life is not going to stop you from dying the next turn. Like you need to stem the bleeding from whatever is causing you to lose that much life and be that far behind. So I think you're ultimately going to have to be stabilized before the food. Now the food's going to get you out of the danger zone, which is great. But I think ultimately your deck's still going to have to do the work of stabilizing. And I don't think food tokens are going to help you much in the stabilization process. Yeah, that's my thought too. So I, again, I think the obvious comparison to food tokens is clue tokens from Shadows over Innistrad. And tacking two mana onto the cost of a card or in, in installments of a card to draw a card is huge. I mean, that's the cost we've sort of associated with drawing a card, you know, with from cycling, I think mostly giving us that idea of like two mana is what I generally like to spend on drawing a card. Two mana is a lot to spend on just gaining three life. Yeah, I'm not thrilled about it. I mean, I'm thrilled that it's coming along with cards for free and I will be glad to be gaining life if I have time to do it. Mm. But I don't think I don't think you can make the leap, at least at this point in the format without having played it, that because food is in the format, aggro is going to be bad. I think food is more a cool build around thing from what I've seen. And we, we've got a few build arounds to look at here. Right. So I'm not so interested in just like cracking a food token to gain three life. I'm more interested in cards that take advantage of food tokens for other means. And then my question after that is, are there going to be enough repeatable ways to generate food? And we just don't know yet. But the first card I want to look at here is one of the, you know, signpost uncommons, Savvy Hunter. This is the Golgari uncommon. So one black green for a three, three. It's a human warrior. Whenever it attacks or blocks, you create a food token. And you can sacrifice two foods to draw a card. Yeah, that sounds great to me. That's a pretty sweet payoff. And not having to pay any mana to do that to draw the cards is big game. No mana to get the tokens and no mana to draw the cards. Yeah. Yeah, 
Very powerful. Next up, we've got Cauldron's Familiar. This is single black for a 1-1 cat. When Cauldron Familiar enters the battlefield, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life and has the activated ability Sacrifice a Food, Return Cauldron Familiar from your graveyard to the battlefield. Is this going to be the new Ethan Sachs one mana CMC pet card? I think almost certainly, right? Like I loved Charmstray, loved Dreadmalkin. One of those was a meme. One of those was a card that I actually thought was very powerful. I'm also now just realizing that this has synergy with an artifact in the set called Witch's Oven. Yeah. I just realized this is a loop, right? So this is a one mana artifact. You tap it to sacrifice a creature and you create a food token. And then there's other text that says if the sacrifice creature's toughness was four or greater, you create two food tokens instead. But here, this just lets you every turn sack the cat and then bring it back by sacrificing that food token. Yeah, Witch's Cauldron is a dark magic card, by the way, for what it's worth. What? What do you mean? The Or the Witch's Oven, I mean. Like, just Be- sacrificing a creature, like, baking it, yeah. and turning it into food. That's, that's, that's pretty dark. It is pretty dark. Yeah, I don't know how good Cauldron Familiar will be, and it's an uncommon, so, like, I don't know how often you're going to see it or be able to build around it, but I've got I got my eyes on that kitty. If it's as undervalued as Dreadmalkin, you're going to be seeing it a lot. Great, then sign me up. What's next here? All right, next up, we've got Bog naughty which is just a great name for a card this is three black black for a three three with flying it's an uncommon and it's a two and a black sacrifice of food target creature gets minus three minus three until end of turn this card is very strong you don't have to tap it you can do it multiple times you can do it at instant speed that is crazy good to me yeah seems like almost like a better fallen angel was what i thought when i read this card oh yeah because didn't fallen angel just like it's active itself creature and pumped itself this is way better than that yeah that's just what leapt to mind based on the casting cost and the second creature stuff for sure yeah i'm i'm uh that that card is pegged as i think one of the best uncommons for me maybe it'll be too expensive i don't know but that seems like a card you need to kill on site calling my shot early for my favorite build around of the set next up we've got trail of breadcrumbs oh nope scratch that just trail of crumbs this is one and a green for an enchantment when trail of crumbs enters the battlefield create a food token whenever you sacrifice a food you may pay one if you do look at the top two cards of your library you may reveal a permanent card from among them and put it into your hand put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order so instantly you're getting the card back because this makes a food token so for three mana you're going to look at the top two and pick one put it in your hand and then subsequent food you're turning into actual magic the gathering cards that is so very good yeah this card's insane okay yep i had not read that until this very moment that card is really really awesome so i'm really looking forward to seeing it feels like knights is like a you know fourth mechanic or whatever in this format it feels so so prevalent and i'm really looking forward to diving into how many knights there are in the crash course and then how many night payoffs there are as we said, it's concentrated in the Mardu colors. We already looked at Steel Claw Lance, which seems busted in half to me. But we'll take a look at the other two uncommons in the format. First up is Inspiring Veteran. It's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Red-white for a 2-2 Human Knight. Other knights you control get plus one, plus one. And that's in the go-wide version, so giving tokens or whatever running around plus one, plus one is big game. Mm-hmm. Next up, we've got Wintermore Commander. This is white-black for a two-star death touch. Wintermore Commander's toughness is equal to the number of knights you control. When Wintermore Commander attacks, another target knight you control gains indestructible until end of turn. This seems pretty powerful to me, obviously, especially in multiples. But I see what they mean from like the difference of this card and the Boros card about like red-whites go wide and this looks like a bit more attrition-y, grind-y, 
value y. Yeah. It still wants to attack though. This feels a little off. If I'm if I'm thinking attrition grind, I want ways to recur and things like that. Not something that you know, obviously a lot of knights in this can attack, it's good, but if you're having a chump attack to give something indestructible, that doesn't sound great. Well, but also I'm just thinking about the times when this is just like a two mana two four death touch just holding the ground. I guess, yeah. That's all right. huge. Yeah. I wasn't thinking about it having death touch, you're right. All right, next up. I want to go a little further with my ideas about like blue white artifact enchantment seeming a little tough to me if there's like a lot of support for this or if it's more for constructed or not. But we haven't had an amount of good artifacts at common or uncommon in a long time. Um, so both blue and white have multiple enchantment slash artifact based removal spells, but we've already sort of poo pooed those, Ben. Yeah, I I don't love them. Okay, so then we get into maybe some aura you know hope to not get two for one life there's all that glitters which seems powerful to me this is one in a white for an enchantment aura it's a uncommon an enchanted creature gets plus one plus one for each artifact and or enchantment you control you're building your own what was it called plus three plus three thing oaken form from m19 that doesn't sound exciting to me yeah, I guess you are building your own oakum form. God, and it's gonna <laughs> put it like that. That's that's tough. I feel like I'm like, yeah. Well, once I have three things, it's plus three plus three. But there's like a card <laughs> right. that just like did that for you, which was not a high pick nor very strong. And and in that format, green white was like trying to have enchantment payoffs. Right. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. So how about? animating fairy this is another adventure card what, what about this card this one's a little more exciting this is two and a blue for a two two flyer which is just fine windrake great sign me up and the adventure portion of this is bring to life two and a blue sorcery adventure target non-creature artifact you control becomes a zero zero artifact creature put four plus one plus one counters on it so i mean obviously the first thing you're going to want to animate is a food token that seems like pretty great value turning food into a four four beater and then casting your two two flyer afterwards yeah if you pull that off that's going to be very strong being able to pay three mana in one installment and then three mana in another installment for two bodies very good but i think that's not necessarily indicative of a blue white build around that just seems like it's going to be great with food tokens running around right because the floor is a windrake and the ceiling is really strong right yeah so I just think that's a good card. Okay. So how about Shine Chaser? This is the uncommon gold card in Azorius. It's one white blue for a 1-1 fairy. Has flying and vigilance. Three mana 1-1 flying vigilance. Not great. But gets plus one plus one as long as you control an artifact. And it gets plus one plus one as long as you control an enchantment. So it could be a three mana 3-3 three, three flying vigilance. Which is fine i mean that's good but you're gonna have to maybe potentially be playing removal that we already think is a little suspect power level wise and you're going to have to have like it's not going to be a three mana three three flyer when you cast it it's going to be a three mana three three flyer probably on turn four or five six would be my guess yeah so this is just another card that makes me not excited about this like what this archetype is trying to do and last on the list here we've got arcanist owl this is another one of the four hybrid mana this is the azorius one so four azorius hybrid mana for a three three flyer when it enters the battlefield look at the top four cards of your library you may reveal an artifact or enchantment card from among them and put it into your hand put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order i can't imagine that this is going to be super likely to hit ever i mean this itself is an artifact creature so there's something to be said there like that it also helps synergize or like helps your deck but yeah like this is just gonna miss a lot of the time i was thinking that we hadn't seen many payoffs for blue white yet but if these are the payoffs for blue white i'm definitely on your team of 
not super excited about the archetype at the moment. Right. I mean, maybe it's just going to be at the rare level when you're going to go, okay, the, I open card X, Y, or Z, and that's what's going to make me move into this. But I'm very, very skeptical of this archetype and its payoffs right now. So we've got our first catch em all to take a look at here. We've been taking a deeper look at these and how they affect the drafting on Arena. Is seven dwarves going to be worth catching them all? What is seven dwarves? Okay, seven dwarves. One in a red for a 2-2. It gets plus and plus one for each other creature named seven dwarves you control. But you can't have more than seven of them in your deck. Even in limited, you can only have seven. I mean, this card's like, what, it'd be like collecting muscle slivers, except there's not going to be other slivers that it's buffing. This card's going to be fine when you get three of them and you draw your three or you get four of them and you draw two. I mean, you're going to be happy about that. This is better than all the catch em alls we saw in Corset 20, I think. I think this is going to be good. And like, I, I don't know, I kind of would want to stake my claim as a seven dwarves drafter. I think it's going to be hard because I don't think it's the kind of thing that will like wheel out of a pack, you know, like I think you might have to try and like dive into this a little early. Yeah, maybe this will be a top red common. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Next up, we've got Beloved Princess. Is this playable? Beloved Princess is a single white for a 1-1 lifelink and can't be blocked by creatures with power 3 or greater. I do not love this card at all. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I don't think I do either. I mean, again, I'm, the only thing that I think about here, and I feel like we've got like Healer's Hawk split into two cards. It's like Beloved Princess here as a white one drop with lifelink and the adventure card we talked about earlier as a 1-1 with flying. But I kind of want them together to really get that that healer's hawk goodness that we got. And maybe this will be good if you can smack an aura onto it. But we haven't seen any good auras, really. I don't know. But I'm, you know, we're seeing a lot of one drops, as you said, in this format at common and uncommon. And so I'm wondering if that's a clue, like that they're maybe not all hot trash like they usually are. Yeah, we'll have to see. Speaking of one drops, Opt is also in this format and I think is poised to be much better than it's ever been in limited sets. Mm -hmm because of blue red card draw wanting to be two cards drawn in a turn so at you know single mana instant speed being able to trigger those types of cards to cantrip seems very very strong agreed all right ben another question for you will artifact or enchantment removal be main deckable and we've got a pretty powerful version of it here it's called true love's kiss two white white for an instant at common exile target artifact or enchantment and draw a card so for folks who played back in uh Scars of Mirrodin days. This is a functional reprint of Slice in Twain, which is two green green for an instant to destroy an artifact or enchantment and draw a card. And that was an uncommon. I think this is going to be sideboard material mostly starting out. I, I, that's my guess right now. Who knows? We'll have to see. I think it'll be fairly obvious early on once we start playing the format. For sure. Next up is Wicked Guardian, the new blade juggler, Ethan. Ooh, tell me more. Wicked Guardian is three and a black for the four two human noble. And when Wicked Guardian enters the battlefield, you may have it deal two damage to another creature you control. If you do, draw a card. Boo, this is not the new blade juggler. How dare you? I don't know. It's It just depends on how many creatures you get with three toughness, right? I mean, curving a 2-3 into this is pretty big game. I guess. I mean, Blade Juggler was flexible. That was like one of the reasons it was so good. And you just like knew you could just draw the card on five mana. I mean, if there if there are one threes and two threes running around for two and three mana, I think this card's going to be good. But we we haven't seen them yet, I don't think. There's a two two three artifact card that I love. Oh, that yeah. That has adamant. That's true. That uncommon. Yeah. All right. Maybe this is going to be awesome. 
I guess then, but and then how good is it? Just a four two? I guess it's just good because it drew, drew you a card. No. Four, four mana four two. Well, yeah, four mana four two draw a card is great. Yeah. If you're spending four mana as a four two and not drawing the card, this card is D level. Yeah, but I think there's going to be some deck building restrictions. But I think it could be depending on you know the composition of the power toughness of the creatures in the format. Once we see more of the spoiler, I do think this could get there. All right. Next up, this one's really hard for me to evaluate. How good is spinning wheel? Okay, so this is a three-mana artifact at Uncommon. It taps to add one mana of any color, and you can pay five tap to tap target creature. That's such an expensive tapper, but it like it is. gets the job done, and I like that it does two things. Like It's helping you set up in the early to mid-game, and then in the late game, it's a mana sink slash removal spell. This card is probably good. That's what I think, but it's, it looks, it looks so, so clunky. clunky. I know. So, like, this is the type of card that I would love whether or not it was good. So I just want to make sure I'm not falling victim to my own tendencies here. Because it looks strong to me. Like, three mana for a mana artifact. You know, maybe there's multicolored good stuff, but it's helping you ramp. And then once you've ramped and done your stuff, it's going to help you close out the game. Yeah. It, well, or at least it gives you something to do on the turns where like you're top decking and you just draw a land. Yeah, I don't know. This seems pretty good to me. Is that like what grade would you give it? C, C plus? Like I'm going to tentatively go C. Yeah, it feels like a C. Maybe it's even a C plus. I guess it depends if we see more artifact payoff stuff that's actually good. Right. Yeah, I don't know. So next we just want to take a look at a few cards that stood out as very powerful to us. The first of those is Fierce Witchstalker. This is two green green for a 4-4 wolf with trample. And when it enters the battlefield, create a food token. That's so much for a common. That seems really pushed to me. Yeah, four mana, four, four trample. It would already be a very strong green common. And then the ability to gain three life. You know, sign me up. Although there is a bit of tension because you're not really super if you're this is a beatdown card, right? And if you're beating down, you're not particularly interested in gaining life. But maybe, you know, you've got this in black green where you're doing something else with the food tokens. Yeah. Regardless, just raw stats. This is powerful. But the thing about like beatdown decks is then, you know, for the times when you're beating down and you're in a racing situation, like if you're green X beatdown and you're playing this and you're against one of the mardu aggro decks like red white go wide three life oh, really gonna feel great really helps you race yeah yeah i don't know this card seems wildly good to me next up we've also got keeper of fables i, I just can't really this seems way too good to me it's three green green for a four five cat at uncommon whenever one or more non-human creatures you control deal combat damage to a player draw a card so yeah, you're not drawing a card like if you attack with three non-humans and they deal combat damage, you're only drawing one card. Still, though, the ability for the opponent to not see this coming and it's large itself, this is like a gigantic scroll thief for all of your creatures. Yeah, I just I mean, you know, you're not going to draw a ton of cards with this because if you are in theory, your opponent's life total is also going down. And so then you're they're probably just dead. But this card seems incredible to me. Next up, you're pretty high on this card. I I need you to convince me. We're getting into a little crash course stuff here. This is turn into a pumpkin. What does it do? This is three and a blue for an instant at uncommon. Return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. Draw a card. And it has adamant. If you spend at least three blue mana to cast this spell, you create a food token. What doesn't this do? This is like some infomercial. It slices, it dices, it bounces, it draws a card, it gains you life. This card is great. And like, I mean, yeah, it's not flexible the way like Blink of an Eye was, but you were all, almost always casting Blink of an Eye for four mana anyway. 
And this synergizes with blue red to like let you draw multiple cards. It creates food tokens for blue green. It's this card just does it all. Okay, do you think this is better or worse than Runaway Together? Oh gosh, uh, I think I take the first of these over the first Runaway Together, but then I probably want the first Runaway Together over this. It's also tough because this is a an uncommon, and that's a common. So like, I feel like I'm gonna see that one more often. Yeah, four mana just feels like a lot for this effect. When you compare it to Blink of an Eye, I'm a little more excited about it. I think you're rarely triggering the Adamant. And I just feel like, I, I guess I've gotten used to this effect at two and a blue. Oh, yeah. Well, you've gotten used to variants of it. Like Arrestor's Admonition was a sorcery when you wanted to draw a card or was an instant and you weren't drawing a card. Right. Like, I think Arrestor's Admonition is better than this card. Uh, well, uh, maybe probably you're right especially because like if i'm trying to draw if i'm trying to be like well it, the blue red draw multiple cards in a turn thing well it doesn't really matter you were doing that at sorcery speed anyway most of the time so uh, maybe this is the correct way to think about this card it's a strong card but i'm maybe too low on it right now because i'm expecting to pay three mana for the effect instead of four but it might be totally fine in this format to pay four mana for this effect i think it will be totally fine you know what else is totally fine to pay four mana? Oh, baby, tell me. Bake into a pie. What is this card? This is the murder variant of the set. Two black black for an instant. Destroy target creature. Create a food token. This is where I want my food tokens. Whew. That's so good. This is just this is just better than murder, right? No, four, four mana. I think four mana is a lot more like when we're talking about Chandra's Outrage versus murder. And I guess it'll depend what the like composition of the format looks like. But, you know you were playing like as many murders as you could get your hands on and you were playing as many Chandra's outrages as you could get your hands on, but they sort of competed with much different things. Like you can't really have too many three drops. You can have too many four drops. I guess, but in a control deck, then you can gain three life later when you've got some mana <laughs> floating around. Yeah. Oh man. No, I think this is, I mean, I haven't seen the whole spoiler obviously, but this is probably going to be the best common in the set. That's my guess. Yeah. Yeah. Next up here, we've got one rare thrown on this list because I think this card is horrifically offensive. I read this card <laughs> the first time, and then I read it again, and then I read it again. And, <laughs> and I was like, I'm missing something here. There has to be a drawback, and nothing on this card is bad for you. This is Clackbridge Troll. What does Clackbridge Troll do? It's three black black for an 8-8 eight, eight trample haste. And then when it enters the battlefield, target opponent creates three zero one white goat creature tokens. At the beginning of combat on your turn, any opponent may sacrifice a creature. If a player does, tap Clackbridge Troll, you gain three life, and you draw a card. Like, wh like, why? like why? Why? Why do you need to draw a card? Like, I get the gain three life. It's flavorful. The goats are food. Why do you need to draw a card? Why Why is nothing on this five mana 8-8 eight, eight trample haste a drawback? Why is it a mythic? Yes, all of the above. <laughs> like, why? Why does Watsy hate limited players? <laughs> so in the lands department, looking ahead, the cons duels are back, which is sweet. And there also appear to be a cycle of cards that have the basic land type of the color of mana they produce. The first one we're going to take a look at is Witch's Cottage, which is the swamp variant. Taps to add a black, enters the battlefield tapped unless you control three or more other swamps. And whenever it enters the battlefield untapped, you may put target creature card from your graveyard on top of your library. So a minor bit of value there. So they're like adamant basics, sort of, because like they care about you having the three lands to be untapped and to get the bonus. Right. But that was why that was another reason I wanted to talk about these when I saw it. Is this a basic? Yeah, it is. Like, so you can fetch this up with an evolving wilds. 
I don't see why not, right? Oh, okay. I think I think the answer is no. I just looked up snow-covered lands, and their types are basic snow lands, and this doesn't say basic on it, right? Right, no. Okay, so not fetchable with Evolving Wilds. All right. The other one of these that has been spoiled so far, and I don't know if this is actually going to be the correct title of it, but this is the translation on Mythic Spoiler. It's Countryside Villa. This is a the Plains variant. It enters the battlefield tapped unless you control three or more other planes. But if it enters the battlefield untapped, you put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. Mm, that's a fair amount of value. Might enable some attacks. Yeah. I mean, these these lands, I'm curious to see what the other three are going to be, but that, that, that's sweet. It's just like getting like just a tiny little effect like that for free, basically, is pretty huge. I wonder how high these kinds of cards are going to be. They're going to be like C's, right? It would be it would have to be a pretty powerful effect to pick them above the, the top commons. Yeah, these two so far certainly are not better than than C's. Then the last thing we're going to take a look at here are there's a cycle of color hosers that hose the same color, but they're an interesting variant on color hosers and they fix the feel bads of like all the color hosers that are running around in M20 in best of one. Like you just never get to pick them. And I think these are going to be fine to good in best of one, which I think is a really cool twist on a way to like design color hosing cards. So what's red cap melee do? It's a single red for an instant. It deals four damage to target creature or planeswalker. But if a non-red permanent is dealt damage this way, you sacrifice a land. So like you can main deck this, right? This is just it's just a good card deal for. Well, I mean, sacking a land is a fairly big cost depending on when you cast this or like what your deck is doing. But definitely in like an aggressive red deck like that tops out at four mana or whatever. This is pretty good. Right. And so the cycle of these is do this thing. And then if you do it to another color, but color X, there's some sort of drawback for you attached to the card. Yeah, that's it it is a really interesting way to design this kind of effect. And it makes them not strict sideboards. It makes them not feel bads in best of one draft, especially. Right. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, for sure. All right. That is all of the cards we have to take a look at this week. And after that, I am jonesing to draft some Throne of Eldraine. I'm going to have to content myself with some m20 for the next couple weeks here you poor man and i am looking forward to the crash course next week i am too i think there's going to be a lot of stats to dive into about this set like i'm really looking forward to seeing the like food enablers food payoffs the like night enablers night payoffs all that stuff i think that's gonna really give us a good leg up and a good picture for our first few drafts of the format yeah this format looks deep i'm excited all right, it's a great place to wrap us up. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give that a listen. If you want to check us out on Twitch and Twitter, I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. is spelled out. And we are on Twitter under those same usernames. And you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later.
Wow. Do you want me to keep this in the episode? No, probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Let's take that again. (laughs) A little bitter. (laughs) That was a delight. (laughs) And this is the blooper. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.